All the music used in this episode fall under fair use under Section 107 of the Copyright Act of 1976. Allowances made for fair use for purposes such as criticism, comment, and reporting. Thank you. Uh, so I'm drinking a Chianti to um, commemorate the Italians. Obviously, you. Of course. And obviously, Billy Joel. Of course. Um, here tonight. What are What are you drinking, Josh? I am drinking something that is not totally appropriate at all. I'm drinking Guinness because it's what we have in our fridge. So you're 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 respecting me and my culture, and my month. That's of, a good exactly. Way to think about it. That was, no, that's, that's actually is, exactly. That's actually what you're doing. That's exactly. <laughs> that's not even how. That's not how I'm thinking about it. That's what you're doing. Or drinking the alcohol of my people. I'm drinking the alcohol of your people. Exactly. Hello, hello, hello. Um, welcome back to My Records and Me, the show where I'm having on people in my life and we talk about the music that we love, the music that connects us, the music that brings us together. My name is Kylie, and this week we are talking about The Stranger by Billy Joel. And my guest this week, a very special guest, and I say that every week, um, I have my friend Josh. Hello, I'm Josh. It's nice to meet you all. <laughs> Josh, Josh, how did we meet? When did we meet? Uh, we went to undergrad together. Uh, we did for a while, and we like kind of knew each other, but we really became friends. I think in the last year or so. So yeah. So when I first met Josh, I thought he was a fascist who was trying to take down my organization that I was a part of. I was a fascist, and I was trying to take down the organization you were a part of. That's what he says. But um, so that happened, and then. There was one point where there was a party where Josh and I were supposed to link up, long story short, and then he didn't show up to that party, and then I basically linked up with anything that moved and breathed at that party, and it was a lot, and then I didn't talk to Josh for about a year after that, and then I started working under Josh (laughs) because he was our student body president at UConn for about three months. Yeah, I think that's Two accurate. months? So, me and Josh go way back. If by way back you mean like two and a half years, yes. Well, I've known you since I was 18, technically. Fair enough. I didn't know you till maybe like two years ago, but right. I still knew you. I just thought you were a fascist. Right, my <laughs> reputation precedes me, I understand. Yeah. So, today, uh, me and Josh are talking about um, The Stranger by Billy Joel. So... Um, lots of reasons why I have Josh on today, but the number one reason is Josh loves Billy Joel. Right, Josh? I do. I enjoy him very much. And this was one of the first records that Josh got from me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that makes it even more yeah, special. It was a very generous gift, and I know it, it was very appreciated <laughs> by me when I got it. Um, yeah. So... The Stranger is the fifth studio album by Billy Joel, released September 29th in 1977 by Columbia Records. It was the first uh, Billy Joel album to be produced by Phil Ramone, um, with whom he would work uh, for the next four albums after this. So, The Stranger was released a year following um, Billy Joel's previous studio effort, Turnstiles, which is really an underrated Billy Joel album. Um, and it didn't really... It peaked low on the U.S. charts, uh, charts, and um, Columbia 
really consider dropping Billy Joel if his next release did not sell well. So Billy Joel wanted the album to feature his newly formed touring band that formed during the production of Turnstiles. Um, and seeking out their new producer, uh, they landed on Phil Ramone, um, who had worked with Paul Simon and amazing, amazing other artists. So The Stranger, the, the, the album cover, there are two props. Um, it's a theater mask, which really reflects the words of, you know, the title song and and Obscured in Shadows, and it's a pair of boxing gloves. So Billy Joel boxed briefly as a teenager before a punch to the face um, broke his nose and ended ended that fun of that hobby. And he said, you know, the last fight he had, the last fight I had, one that was actually in a ring, was with a guy who was a terrible boxer. That's when I realized that no matter how bad I think I am, there's always someone worse or badder. Um, suited and barefooted um, on the bed, Billy Joel, 28 years old, um, looking down at the mask um, on the pillow representing his album, his songs, a desire to make something of his own, something new, something successful. Um, but the gloves are kind of dangling in the back. And, you know, he had fought and gotten knocked down, but now was really his time to land the one, to land the punch. And, and he did it. You know, this album spent six weeks at number two on the U.S. Billboard 200s, and it's considered probably Billy Joel's, you know, critical and commercial breakthrough. Um, Four singles were released in the U.S., all which became top 40 hits. And, you know, other songs such as, like, Scenes from from an Italian Restaurant in Vienna, you know, have become staples um, of his career and are, are staples in his live performances. Um, the album won two awards at the 1978 Grammys, winning Record of the Year as well as Song of the Year for Just the Way You Are. And it still remains the best-selling non-compilation album to date and surpassed uh, Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water to, becomes, to become uh, Columbia's best-selling album release with more than 10 million units sold worldwide. Rolling Stone later named it as one of the 500 greatest albums of all time. This made, you know, the Billy Joel that we know today him because of its critical and commercial success. So, Josh, when did you first hear this album? So, for me, it's weird because I've been listening to Billy Joel all my life. Um, Mm -hmm. My parents were a big part of, like, my development into, like, loving music, and they really liked Billy Joel, so I did too. Um... And I had grown up around a lot of the songs from this album, but the first time I listened to it all the way through, I was on a trip, like, between my freshman and sophomore year of college, I had gone to Montreal with a few of my high school friends, Mm -hmm. and I was making dinner, Uh, I do occasionally cook, it's not very good, but I can do it, and at this particular point I was cooking dinner, and I needed something to do, and I was looking at albums, and I was like, oh, I know most of the songs on this album. So I just put it on and started listening to it then. Um, And I think that was really the first time that I listened to the album the whole way through. And it's also significant because, like, it's one of the first albums I listened to the entire way through and just heard all the songs on it. So, yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah, I think, I don't, I couldn't tell you the first time I heard this all the way through, but I have these very distinct memories. So my parents were and still are um, Kansas City barbecue judges because um, they're icons and strange. And there was always this um, 
barbecue competition that we would go to in Rochester, New York. And I had to be like 11, 12, 13, so, you know, something around then, some, mm-hmm. some age around then there. And um, so when in Rochester, New York, it's on one of the Great Lakes. I can't remember which Great Lake it is, but it's on one of them. And where the competition was, it was always Memorial Day weekend. It was right on the beach. It was right on the beach. And my parents at 11, I was 11, they would go into the competition and just be like, you could just walk around for like the whole fucking day. And so I would be like, okay, I had the car keys, but obviously I was like 11. So I would just sit on the beach and walk around. And I had like, um, I had like an, like one of the first like, you know, renditions of the iPod touch. And I had all these compilation albums and I'm now I hate compilation albums because I think it's pointless. I'd rather hear like the whole album. Um, But like growing up, I would listen to like the Beatles greatest hits, Bruce Springsteen greatest hits. um, And then I I had Billy Joel's greatest hits. And I I can't remember how these got on the, the iPod touch. I bet you it was probably like a CD my parents had that I imported on or whatever. And I distinctly remember the only thing I listened to this one weekend, I, I was had to be 11 or 12, was Billy Joel's Greatest Hits. Um, and a majority of all those songs, a majority of all of The Strangers on his Greatest Hits album, maybe like three are missing. But that was like the first real time I, I heard Billy Joel. It was in Rochester, New York, on frickin' the beach on one of the Great Lakes. So, so that was when I first kind of heard Billy Joel. And, and my parents hate Billy Joel, especially my dad. My dad does not like Billy Joel, um, which is just funny. But what does this album um, mean to you? Yeah, so I kind of touched on it a little earlier and realized I was swerving into this territory, so I wanted to stop. But for me, like, it's significant because it's the first album I listened mm-hmm. to yeah. all the way through. So it was really, like... You mentioned, like, how you don't like compilation albums now, and it's because, like, you would just rather listening to mm-hmm. the album all the way through, and I understand that. I think, like, compilation albums and, like, listening to individual songs is really, like, how people come into the field of music, yeah. and then as you get into it more is when you start oh, listening yeah. to albums. Completely. So, as, for me, like, uh, to, like, the significance was, like, this was really the time I started to go from... Mm. Just listening to like individual songs I like to like engaging with artists on the whole. Yeah. And then most of this music like has significance for me because it attaches to like specific parts of my life mm-hmm. or my relationship with my parents, which again, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, huge part of my knowledge of, of, of music and love of music came from them. And I listened to a lot of these songs and this album specifically during like a big transition period of my life between high school and college. Totally. So I associate this album a lot with moving around and big changes in my life. So yeah. that's how it's significant, I suppose, to me. Totally. Um, for me, it really just, to me, I just really like the, the messages behind the album and the themes behind the album. And, and we'll talk about it, but um, really just like these constant themes of it, it reminds me a lot of Bruce Springsteen, and I think me and Josh have had this conversation before where I was like, Bruce Springsteen was the Bruce Springsteen of New Jersey, but Billy Joel was the Bruce Springsteen of, of Long Island. <laughs> um, uh, and really these themes of, like, real working class people trying to just, like, get by every single day and, like, get to something that is, like, greater than themselves, um, which are all themes that, like, really stick close to my heart and me um 
And yeah, like, like I would also say with you, like the way you just described it to me and to you, it's like, yeah, when I was really developing like my own music taste, I would listen to these compilation albums and, and I feel like 11, 12 was when I really started like really getting into music. Um, so this, this, this was kind of one of the bridge ways to that path, you know, um, was a lot of these songs on those greatest hits, but they were, it basically was the stranger besides maybe, like I said, like maybe three songs. Mm-hmm. So that's what really this album means to me. It was, it's kind of like Pandora's box in a way, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like a gateway. It introduces oh, yeah. you to, you mentioned Completely. like turnstiles is an underrated album. Like, I would have never listened to that album if I'd never like gotten a stranger. Right. Like that was yeah, my way into you know, listening to Billy Joel's music in general. So yeah. Let's get into it. So we we start off with this fucking. It's such like this intense like first song. I don't know if intense is the right word, but it just like kind of comes at you with a moving out by, a moving out Anthony's song. Um, and you know, to me, um, this really talks about Billy's, you know, disgust with like up upwardly mobile you know, aspirations of working in lower middle class New Yorkers who take pride in, you know, working long hours to afford the, the outward signs of having made it, quote unquote. Um, you know, we're talking about characters who have like, you know, very, st- uh, you know, stereotypical ethnic, na- ethnic names, you know, Anthony, Mama Leon, Sergeant mm-hmm. O'Leary, Mr. Cacciatore, and, and like blue collar jobs, really. Yeah. And he kind of considers their rejection of their working class roots, you know, talking about trading a Chevy for a Cadillac, buying a house in Hackensack, New Jersey, you know, kind of pointless. Yeah, I think that that's a, a very fair assessment. And like the way I always read it too, or read it, listened to it as well, is this in general, I think like on its face, it's just a, a a rejection. I always like listen to it like more generally as like a rejection yeah. of this idea that you just need to like grind and grind and grind totally. because at the end of the day you wear yourself down and then you get to the other side where you are supposed to enjoy the fruits of whatever you produced only to be unable to to, to like enjoy them. Like the line yep. that was out to me, like, and if he can't drive with a broken back, yeah, exactly, at least he can yes. polish the fenders, like, yeah. All this stuff that you did to get you here, to get you these things, like they turned to dust because you broke yourself to get them. Yeah, um, it's, it's, pu- it's putting into the question the amount of effort that it would take for, for these characters to achieve like their own slice of the American dream. Yeah, it's... And I suppose also, like now that you're bringing up the, the like blue-collar roots, it's also mm-hmm. like a... a a condemnation of this idea that you need to attain a certain status Completely. right like because the the main line of the song being mama if that's moving up then i'm moving out right yeah. like i won't participate in this i will not be part of this system i will not wear myself down and then go on to not be able to enjoy yeah. life in general which as we will get to at the end i think is one of the bigger parts of the themes of the album agreed but, that's the way I always saw it, and when I like listen to it, like mm-hmm. I use it to remind me sometimes of like you don't need to participate in that, right? Like 
and that's really strong. Yeah, I think this the standout line for me is is what you, is um the one you mentioned earlier. It's like you can't with the broken you can't drive what is it if he can't drive with a broken bag yeah yeah, yeah. how can, can you polish the, polish the fenders um yeah it's like it's it really puts into question like if you are slaving every single day basically for it's like what are you actually like slaving away for if you're not because like if you just like put your body your mind through all this hard work turmoil never having a second of rest like you're not going to appreciate like the fruits of your labor, basically. Yeah, and what's the point of having those Cadillacs or those nice yeah. things if you can't use? Because that's the point of having them, right? The, yeah. You know, we can get a deeper conversations about commercialized culture and all that, but the idea of owning these things is to be able to use them. And if you work so hard to get them, only to then not be able to use them, how hollow is that? Like it's literally you're doing nothing for yourself. It's all for everyone else. Yeah, exactly. And New Hackensack. Um, <laughs> and, you know, near the end of the, the recording, um, we hear the sound of a car starting up, driving away, and it's actually the bass player, Doug, Steck, Doug Steckmeyer. It's his 1960s Corvette that was used. So a little fun fact for you there. But, yeah, great song. It really, it really sets the stage for a lot of the themes that we're talking about. Um, and with me and, you know, it's, and you see this throughout music in general, any song, any song that really mentions cars, I'm like, that's pure escapism and like getting away. Like you see this largely in Bruce Springsteen, Lana Del Rey, like I could go on and on and on. But, you know, a lot of these, when you were talking about cars specifically, it's like, that's such a huge theme is it's escaping. Yeah, I, I think that that's, I was thinking of like, as you brought it up, it's such a common motif in music. Yeah. Like I'm thinking of like artists who use it that like not even ones like you didn't mention you're right you can go on and on yeah exactly. listing about this idea of like literally and the, the car's driving away like it fades out of the song as he continues to play it so yeah and then we we're, we're we drive mm -hmm. um into <laughs> the stranger which is the title track um from the album definitely featuring this you know traditional rock outfit begins you know slow moody melody reminiscent of kind of like a soundtrack of a noir film um you know and, and at the bookends of the track uh there's someone whistling the main melody of the song to add this kind of suspenseful tone um which is actually billy joel whistling the tune to producer phil ramone um, and expressed that he wanted an instrument to play that melody. And Phil, um, the, the producer, convinced him that the whistle was that of a stranger's. And that's what ended up on the record. Yeah, I, this, this whole track is like very interesting to me because it's one of the ones I got into later. It wasn't yeah. one I had heard before I, I came to the album. Um, Same. And it really, for me, it... it it hit like harder for me as I like you mentioned like I was like very involved in student government in college like and as I like got very involved in like running for office and stuff like that yeah. when you do that a lot of what you do is like how you present yourself and you have to totally like, hide parts of yourself and in general I'm a person who tends to be very like 
go along to get along yeah. playing to the gallery so as i listen to this song i was like the faces of the stranger and you like to try like these different modes you run through depending on like totally. if i'm talking to you versus if i'm talking to my family versus my law school friends versus whoever else right i like almost change who i am on that basis totally um, another fun fact this is one of the first songs i remember talking to you about like and i remember I, you probably don't remember this. Yeah, I'm like, I remember the very significant things, <laughs> aka every single thing you've said, but not that. <laughs> I remember that we, it was like in the fall of 2020, we were like at a party that was over. I was probably park. drunk. You <laughs> most certainly were. And <laughs> at that point, I didn't know how much you love music. And I'd always been like generally the person who knew more about music and conversation. So it was like not briefing you me. on The Stranger and you were like, I know what the stranger is. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, that was, those are the really like big things. And that like, there are, he in general, Billy Joel, and it's something we've hit on on the first two and we'll continue, I'm sure, to hit on songs. As we go through, he's really good. He knows how to like turn a phrase really, really well. There's a lot of these things, like lines from the songs that always like stick. Like I mentioned, they're the faces of the stranger and we yeah. love to try them on. Like, that like encapsulate the song as a whole and they like really really stick with you it's something that's always like come back to me like even when i could like feel my shift self shifting between those modes i've like felt myself thinking about that line at times so yeah and this is definitely um one of the more you know enigmatic songs in billy joel's category and and there are like a lot of theories of, of what he is talking about. And I, I do agree with you and the more of the line of how you're thinking. Um, you know, but like theories on the identity of the stranger range from Carl Jung's theories of collective unconsciousness um, on our shadow self to the stranger as a hidden lover. So I think that's a lot. It's this song is really cool because in music in general, like you can take you can you know put your own narrative to it but i think the more common one is the one you said and that i do agree with you on that yeah and something that i i'd meant to mention towards the end and we'll i think we'll explore more is so much of like the way i look at this album and the way anyone looks at any music at all is through the lens of their own experience yeah. so the way that i look at this album or like this song about like being that like go along to get along personality and like swapping basically who you are based on who you're talking to like that's incredibly informed by my experiences of completely like running for office air quotes Quota. yeah air quotes yeah. <laughs> if, 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 the fake the fake office and the fake student government exactly the fake, you know the fake stuff but yeah but like to like appeal to people yeah that's a huge part of like the way in which i perceived it but i didn't even think about it like that but that's definitely like now that i'm thinking about the lyrics if you had that experience, like you would be, that would be totally. something. And totally. There are lines, if I remember correctly, in the song that like imply to like losing, like to struggling relation with relationships yeah. and like not being able to like recognize the person you're with anymore. And yeah. There's multiple. But also, you can definitely be like, that's turn that on yourself and be like, there have definitely been moments like where i have been like i have no idea like who that was like looking at right. myself yeah um and we've all been there and it's like it's like that person was a stranger it's like what yeah. the hell was i doing almost divorced from yourself to the yeah, point where basically. you look back and you're like wow like 
I don't know who that like they may have shared a name and a face, but but that's like that was almost not me. it. Like yeah, I don't know what's going. Completely, yeah. I, I I think this is this was one this is one of the songs that I found coming to this album. And then we go to Just The Way You Are. So, Billy Joel told the Today Show in 2005 that this is his um, cringe song because it was written about someone who said, I said I love you and that's forever, but it only lasted about 10 years. <laughs> um, which is funny. Um, but this was actually Billy Joel's first uh, U.S. top 10. was internationally successful, and as I mentioned earlier, won Record of the Year, and I think Song of the Year. Um... And it reached the top 20 in six countries, including number three, peak in the Billboard Top 100s. This was, like, kind of his gateway into popularity, which is just funny now because he's like, I, I don't like this song, which I understand, though. So this is the song my parents, this is my parents' first dance song. Both, I've referenced them, like, before a little bit, but both of them incredibly invested in music they had when i was growing up they had huge racks of cds on the wall that i would regularly steal from to listen to <laughs> on like one of their old radios my parents yep so whenever like i hear this my dad would like very rarely on occasion like play this song and like sing it to my mom right in like a very romantic way but yeah similar because like it's my parents i've always associated it with like not like a flashy Them? well that but not just like a flashy kind of like like I, like a deep love yeah it's it's like significant of like two people who like cared so much about each other they literally decided to start a family right it's something like yeah. deeper than like a you know there are other songs like only the good die young later in the album that focus more on like just like a a tryst, sex well yes <laughs> um you use your words i use mine <laughs> but like this is a song that's not about like it's yeah. about love right yeah and a very I, this yeah this and um she's just a woman i think yeah. are the vulnerable songs i would say especially yeah. um she's just a woman but yeah or always a woman i'm sorry yes thank you i've been drinking i was also gonna say like it's interesting that you bring up the thing about like this is his cringe song because my dad's always told me and i went to see billy joel in the fall and it seems to yes. have been out as true he doesn't play this song anymore. Like he does not. He does not like it. That's what, um, that's one of my talking points. In a second. <laughs> Sorry. He has not played this song really since the early two thousands, yeah. and he really only played it once. And he really hasn't played it since nineteen eighty two when he got his divorce, which I'll talk about in a second. But yeah, I think that it's. I knew that it was about one of his ex-wives, I believe. So. His first. Oh, wow. I think he's on his third right now. I think fourth? he's on his fourth. I googled okay. it earlier so today. Definitely past the first. And I think, you know, it makes sense why he doesn't want to sing it anymore. Because I wouldn't want to sing songs about yeah. my first love when I was on my fourth. But that being said, like, I still really like it. And it's a I, good song. I think it makes sense why a lot of other people like it, too. I also think... I had, like, had this written down to talk about for She's Always a Woman. Yeah. But since you already referenced that song, I'll mention it, too. To me, these are, like, the two parts of, like, a relationship to me. Like... Yeah, I would say so. Because this song is about I love you 
because of your faults, right? Yes. Just the way you are. But She's Always a Woman is really about, I love you in spite of them. Like, you really suck sometimes, but we'll get into yeah, that. Yeah, I love that song so much. It's my favorite Me too, song. but he, like... He's but no, like, I agree. I think that's a good analysis with these two songs. I think these are the two songs that are, like, love, love songs. Like, I think right. the, those two are the most love bait like feeling not just like sex songs quote unquote yeah um so yeah this song prominently features the wash tones of the fender Rhodes keyboard overdubbed vocals inspired by the 10 cc's 1975 song i'm not in love and yeah like we said um billy joel originally wrote this song for his first wife and also she was his business manager Hmm. and me and josh both know this mixing pleasure and business is not good (laughs) (laughs) me and josh know this very well um from our own experiences it never ends well personally it does not and it doesn't seem to have ended well here for billy joel either so it's good to know we're in good company yeah like i think it's very rare where that works out um but yeah, so so they divorced in 1982, and like like me and Josh just mentioned, this song would not appear in concert until the early 2000s. But he does not play it, um, and I've known a bunch of people who have seen him at his at least at his residency in the Garden, and I was talking to them today about it, and yeah, they had not played it. I don't. I, it's like there's no passion in this right, like how, when he sings it live now, and you know, right? How can you sing to somebody you love that you haven't loved in like? Almost 50 years, 40, 40 years, 40 years. At yeah. This point. Yeah. Um, saxophone solo is amazing. Uh, played by Phil Woods, who is a well-known jazz musician and Grammy award winner. Yeah. This song, um, not my favorite Billy Joel love song, but it is, a uh, just a really good song. Scenes from an Italian restaurant. This is probably one of my favorite. Like, I don't have favorite songs by artists who have, like, very large catalogs. But if I had, like, a top ten, this would be in the top ten. Yeah. Um, scenes from an Italian restaurant. I'm going to go a step further and say that this is his best song. I have. It's an amazing it. song. It's an amazing song. I think uh, we've talked about this before, but the way it, it like, starts out really slow and then steps yeah, up and then comes back. It's two exactly. separate songs, at least two, I think, arguably. I think it's three. Yeah, exactly. I, I like I like have this most vivid memory of being driven to like like soccer practice when I was like eight years old by my mom and her playing this song and I just remember like even my nine-year-old brain was just blown away by it like the way that it started so slow and it was like like I, I it was probably the first Billy Joel song I like loved, though I didn't know like the name it of it was. yet. Exactly, yeah. like it's just so unique. The middle part I've heard referred to as the ballad of Brenda and Eddie. Yeah, that's um, what he refers to it as. Okay, um, and he, that part of the song I've talked to you about this before. Like, yeah. is such a picturesque image of like suburban high school life that idea of like brenda and eddie being the popular steadies and the king and the queen at the prom like if you've been to suburban high school you had a brenda and eddie maybe you were the brenda and or the eddie like and like it existed and it seemed like they would be together forever and then and then they weren't right and like, it really, like, to me, especially when I was coming into, because when I was listening to this album was as I was coming to college and 
anyone who's been to college knows that like all the high school relations most high school relationships die like when the first couple of months yeah come on and come on they have to it's at, it's at best. <laughs> like, they have to like it's good for everyone involved that they have exactly to. and it's just such like it's just such a reminder of that is and i remember like the my senior year of high school all the couples were like we'll be together forever it's gonna be great we're all gonna be at each other's weddings within six months it's like done none of us talk to each other anymore and to me like that like really this that part of the song really summarizes that experience totally yeah i think like the thing that i really enjoy about the song is again and i mentioned this like what this means to me is like this was like the vision this was the american quote-unquote dream was you meet someone in high school they you know you're prom queen they're prom king you get married in two years you get a house you work a job for 40 fucking years you retire and that's your life with this person and it's subpar but like that basically (laughs) i'm but like that was at least i feel like in the 70s and the 80s for the most part at least in suburban america that was like that was just okay. I'm checking off the boxes, mm-hmm. which I think really tells the story. And then you get into kind of like the ending of that. But um, Caesar from an Italian restaurant, staple of his kind of live set, um, named by my favorite music writer, Rob Sheffield, as Billy Joel's equivalent to Bruce Springsteen's Jungle Land, which I completely agree with. <laughs> um, and Billy Joel stated in an interview that I don't think I could do a show without performing that song. Yeah. I and mean, I, I'm assuming you saw that song. Yeah, he was, he does a lot of, like, he, Piano Man was probably the one that hit the best, yeah. that uh, We Didn't Start the Fire was another one, he, but, like, this was, like, second or third, I'd say, in terms of, like, everyone was looking forward to it, because it's just so iconic. Completely. I also want to go back to something you said. I think it's interesting that you reference the fact that you just check the boxes and, like, do that as subpar, because... I always looked at this as more of like this life, that life that was achieved in the 50s yeah. and the 60s, it can't be achieved anymore. I think we're in agreement on that. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, completely, completely. Song. It's interesting that you look at that and see like, oh, thank God. And I look at that and I'm like, that's a bummer, right? And I think it really like goes so you, to... So you were like, so, <laughs> so you'd be like, so you would want that life. I think that I would be more Josh. comfortable with that life than most people would be. Like, something I've always wanted is, like, a family and a job and all, all that. And sure. Like, I take comfort from, like, straightforward things in life. And, like, I think it's in, I think it, like, speaks to our, like, differences of opinion on, like, life in general. That you look at that and you're like, oh, how boring. And I'm, I look at that and I'm like, beautiful. Like, this is what I want to do. But I think that's great. Anyway. <laughs> That does not surprise me at all. But <laughs> scenes from an Italian restaurant um, has the longest duration of, of all Billy Joel's songs in his catalog, clocking in at 7 minutes and 37 seconds. Um, while never released as a single, um, it's been highly regarded amongst his fans. Um, yeah, like, like Josh was saying, like it's a truly cinematic in nature. And it, I, I do believe it combines kind of three songs to make a conversation between two old friends much more dramatic and it kind of breaks down into you know the italian restaurant begins gentle you know you know piano ballad depicting in the first person scene between kind of at least how i've seen it 
two old classmates, you know, reuniting, having this like chit chat, catching up. Things are okay with me these days. Got a good job. Got a got a good office. Got a new wife. Got a new life. That kind of like catching up you do with someone you haven't seen in, you know, Mm -hmm. however long, especially like someone like at my age now at our age, like we're 22, 23. Um, and like if I saw someone I haven't seen for like four years in high school, we'd be having these conversations. And then this kind of segues in this like triumphant, you know, up-tempo jazz influence section um, as, the ca- as the classmates catch up with each other um, and begin to reminisce. And then we get like the, the tuba, the trombone, the saxophone into this kind of like rock and roll section, which is the ballad of Brenda and Eddie. And this tells that story in the third person of these high school sweethearts who were the it couple, Mary Young, quickly divorce. Um, and then kind of the tempo then slows as the song transitions back into the that style of the first section about, you know, remarking, you know, I'll meet you anytime you want at our Italian restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do completely agree with Rob Sheffield's um, kind of equivalent, like, like with Bruce Springsteen's Juggaland, like obviously very different themes, but um, I would agree like it is his equivalent to that. It's a great song. I love this song. Yeah, I think that it's it's interesting that we both like hit the point about the three songs because it starts yeah. very slow and then it like steps. There's like everyone remembers the slow beginning and the ballad, but there's a part in between where it picks up a little bit, right? Before it jumps all the way up to the ballad of Brenda and Eddie, uh, when he says the things, things are okay with me these days. Got a good yeah. job. Got a good office. On and on, and it, it's just like. Just, so well done and that i had focused more on the ballad of brenda and Eddie part, but well yeah that's kind of like the main the main pit the main point yeah but in the, the longest i think it's the longest part in this but song. the the that part of it as well like that idea of being like meeting an old classmate at the end when we talk about like the album in general like mm-hmm. i tend to view this as an album that like is te- like made for the people who were like Billy Joel's age when he was making this. Like he was like yes. twenty, like twenty five to thirty, right between that. And so when you run it, like when you run into those people, like we're still close enough to like our college experience to where when we run into like when we we still know each other, right? But if we were to run into each other, like six seven years down the line like so you're saying you're not going to be talking to me in six and seven years maybe i will maybe i won't but okay you heard it here first josh is cutting me out of his life after this episode is published you heard it here first the only thing i'm here for is to be featured on the podcast and once that's what you've been working on for two years exactly uh it was a long game uh (laughs) but i'm glad i made it but yeah like that's like if we ran into any of our mutual friends, right, that we hadn't talked to in a while, like yeah. that's the way, especially in line with all the other songs, I think, I think of it as, but yeah. Yeah, even with like my close friends who I talk to very frequently, like if I see them in person, it's kind of like this like idle chit chat before like we talk about whatever right. or anything, or it's very much like this, like I, I'll be honest, I talk so much shit about people I went to high school with, with my high school friends and same thing about college. I feel like it's very true, like, of a conversation yeah. that any person would have. Like, yeah, exactly. Your life? Like, we're all mm-hmm. getting into our, again, like, this is more conversation about, like, the album in general. But, like, yeah. it's the whole, like, getting, we're all, like, getting into our life vibe yeah. and trying to, like, maintain those friendships while also, like, maintaining, like, we're not in college anymore, so we, you know, are adopting that. But 
Anyway. Yeah, great song. And then leads to probably one of my, another top 10 Billy Joel song for me, which is Vienna. In July uh, 2008, um, in a New York Times article, Joel cited this as one of his two favorite songs, along with Summer in Highland Falls, which is probably, that's on Turnstiles, such a good Billy Joel song. And if you've never heard that um, Summer in Highland Falls, so, so, so good. Very much um, Brenda and Eddie vibes. So in this article, he said, why did I pick Vienna to use as a metaphor for the rest of your life? My father lives in Vienna now. I had to track him down. I didn't see him for a time. I was eight till I was about 23 or 24. He lives in Vienna, Austria, which I thought was rather bizarre because he left Germany in the first place because of a guy named Hitler. He ends up going to the same place Hitler hung out all those years. Vienna was a long, for a long time was the crossroads during the Cold War between the Eastern Bloc and the Warsaw Pact nations and the NATO countries was the city of Vienna. Vienna was always the crossroads between the Ottoman Empire and the Holy Roman Empire. So the metaphor of Vienna has the meaning of a crossroad. It's a place of the intercourse, of exchange. It's the place where cultures commingle. You get a great beer in Vienna, but you also get a great brandy from Armenia. It's a place where cultures commingle. So I go visit my father in Vienna. I walk around this town and I see this old lady. She must have been 90 years old and she is sweeping the street. I say to my father, um, what's this nice old lady doing sweeping the street? He says she got a she got a job. She feels useful. She's happy. She's making the street clean. She's not put out to the pasture. We treat old people in this country pretty badly. We put them in rest homes. We kind of kick them under the rug and make them believe they don't exist. The people in Vienna don't feel like that. In a lot of these older places in the world, they value their older people and their older people feel like they can still be a part of the community. And I thought this is a terrific idea that old people are useful. And that means I don't have to worry so much about getting older because I can still be useful in this world. In my old age, I thought Vienna waits for you. That's a really good. (laughs) That's mouthful. Yeah. But yeah, that's so that's Vienna, basically. Yeah, I had like. I remember the first time I heard this song, I almost immediately went and, like, looked up the background to it. I'm very neurotic like that. I always like to know what the song's about and why they made it. And so, like, I read that same stuff, and I was like, hmm, beautiful. Well done. Yeah, it it is very, like, it's a great kind of background of this. It's a great song. Um, (laughs) I love it. I think it has become the anthem of every college kid who doesn't know what they're going to do after they graduate. Oh my god, yeah. Um, also, just a quick aside, like, I play Dungeons and Dragons, and one of the people I play it with, their character is named Vienna after the song. But Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, but, like, it is... And, like, I don't want to, like, separate myself out from that group. I absolutely listened to this song, like, last year when we were graduating from undergrad and like dealing with the the stress i'm a very like neurotic and forward-looking person i'm always we get it you're neurotic i keep saying that word (laughs) i like i tend to be very forward-looking and on to the next thing and on to the next thing and on to the next thing and like same what's it gonna be like and to listen to the song and be like hey it's all right like you can just take a breath and you know, there's um, the line, take the phone off the hook and disappear for a while. Like, yes, that being like, you can just stop doing it. And I promise you, when you come back, 
the world will be not the world will be waiting for you, but not that much will have changed. Um, and again, like as I had started listening to a lot of this when I was transitioning from high school to college, yeah, like that was a big like reassurance of me then as well. So I got a nice yeah. little like return to you know I'm kind of a believer in like you tend to like go in not like in circles in a bad way in your life but you tend to arrive at similar points along the way yeah i think there are common themes so like when i was like graduating like i just graduated high school was the first time i heard this song and then when like i graduated college i'm listening to it again for the same reassurance and i'm still getting like there's like context been added more to it now because i think i understand it like i heard the words when i was in high school totally but it means a lot more when you feel the feelings that are being said and also like can actually to some extent i'm still not great about it but to some extent can be like it is okay for me to step back right yeah exactly. just hear the words and be like that sounds nice and then continue to do my thing but to actually yeah but actually do it yeah this is a great 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 song i definitely agree with your kind of analysis yeah i played this song a lot i would agree i played the song a lot probably last year because i'm definitely the same way i'm always kind of looking ahead and that's why like this period of my life is like so weird right now is because i'm like there's no like there's just like there's no like timeline or there might be but it's not set in stone um and like for most of my life it's been set in stone so so it's it's a good reminder to like calm down and I think I've said this too, Josh. It's like, I feel so young and so old at the same time. Like, I feel ancient, but also so young mm-hmm. at, at the exact same time. But I feel, like, good in that way because it's like, at my age already, I've done a lot. And I'm so proud of what I have done. But I also need to remember I am only 22. And I genuinely, hopefully, God, hopefully, I have the rest of my life, you know, ahead of me. And there's no need to kind of rush that. Right. Like, there is no need to rush that. Right. I think it's... And this is a good reminder. It's interesting you mentioned that part about, like, in other countries, old people being useful. And yeah. that kind of ties into, I think, what we talked about in in um, the first song, Moving Out, right? Where, yeah. like, we, society, especially here in the U.S., but in places in general, I think, has this conception of, like, you know, work really hard... You know, or even like yeah. also mentioned in scenes from an Italian restaurant, work really hard, find that wife from high school, settle down, God have damn. your kids, work your job. Once you, you like raise your children, like that's it. Like you just like sit around the yeah, house lives. until you die. Yeah. Like, and I think this is like one of those ideas of like, you have so much, like assuming you live a lifespan of, that's like average, I think the average is like 76 for men, 80 for women. Like assuming that you live that life, like... Most people, like, I I think, you know, are, like, 60, 70 when their kids grow up. you still got, like, 10, 20 years, depending. You still got some time. Right, and, like, the idea that you just, like, curl up inside your house and do nothing. It's very traditional, but it's not, at least traditional here. I don't know if it's traditional, like, everywhere. But, like, I'm always, like... Like, for instance, like, my grandparents on both sides being people who, like, went out and, like, didn't just, like, get swallowed up inside themselves. And that's very interesting. I'd never heard that part of the quote before, but it makes a whole lot more sense with it. Yeah, like, my dad always says this thing. And, like, my, my dad's always, like, one of those people who's, like, put money away, put money away, put money away, never spend it. And, like, obviously that's good and you should do that. But, like... 
I think you need to, like, live and, like, experience the world, experience life at any age, especially when you're older. And, like, I remember me and my mom and my sister went to Barcelona in 2019, and my mom had never been out of the country since she, like, out of, like, to Europe, I mean, out of the country since she was maybe in high school. And she was, like, like, that moment, and she was probably, like, in her early 50s at that time. Not that it's only been three years, but, um, but... And she was like, like, this is, she, she said this thing. She was like, well, I want to do this before, like, I can't. Before, like, I'm not able to walk or, like, physically move when you're older. Yeah. And I'm like that. And, like, yeah, mom, like, get out. Like, do it. Experience the world. Experience life. Go like, off. just live. <laughs> like, go off queen. Slay, yes, mama boots. Like, just do it. Yeah. And, like, my parents are very, like, my parents now, like, I'm the youngest. I'm still at home. Like, my dad is, oh, my God, wait. My dad's 62 and my mom's 57. But mm-hmm. still, like, now, they, like, they live their own lives. Like, they do their own things. And it makes me so happy to see. And, like, I think and I hope it will continue, you know, once I leave and once they leave. And I meant leave Poughkeepsie and, like, not leave the world. <laughs> but um, <laughs> when they go to wherever they want to go and retire. Mm-hmm. And I think it will. And, like... Like, my mom's one of those people, she's like, I always need to be moving, I always need to be doing something, and, like, I feel like she'll be one of those people who, like, always makes herself useful. Yeah. Because that's, like, and that's, like, what I feel like every person wants to feel at any point in their life is useful. And that's something that, it's interesting you bring that up, like, because I was thinking about in terms of my grandparents, but my parents, sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening, are also getting older, and this year was the first, so I'm the oldest, but my siblings and I are very close in age, and this year was the first year that we're all away, I'm away at law school, my siblings are all at college. Oh yeah, that is My parents are empty nesting, shout out to them. Uh, Shout out to the crows. But like, they are like, especially my dad is like, reorienting their life, still like incredibly focused on us. That's what my parents did when I left. Exactly, but also being like, okay, we have free time now, let's like, go out for dinner, let's spend time like watching something let's listen to music let's like because i I was talking to my parents when i went i came back from law school it was just me back in the fall and they're like this is really the first time we can like focus on ourselves and like i know maybe that's why i don't want to have kids (laughs) you basically when you have children like shut off for like eight you basically do for 18 years then to them like to have that chance and be like well, yes, we are older now, but that doesn't mean that we're just going to, like, curl up inside ourselves. Like, we're going exactly. to live. We're going to be those people. Also, in general, beyond the parents' point, interesting thing I thought when I was listening to this album today, the um, yeah. specifically the record that you sent me, uh, Vienna is the I first gave. one on the B-side. Um, it is, yeah. Seas of Italian Restaurant. I literally a transition song, like between the first part of the album and the second half. So I think that's significant. This is, um, this is, yeah, the first song on the beat on the second side of the album. Great song. I, I, uh, great. I did not hear this song till I came to Stranger. It's not on the greatest hits, but I really think it should be because I think this is, again, this is like one of my top tens mm-hmm. for Billy Joel, and it is his top two, yeah. according to him. We leave. And, you know, only the good die young. We go to only the good die young. And I feel like this is kind of, this is kind of a random song in this album. I feel like. It's big controversial at the time. So, this song was inspired by a high school crush of Joel's, Virginia Callahan. 
Um, the narrator believes that the girl is refusing him because she comes refusing him sex um because she comes from a religious catholic family and she believes premarital sex is sinful he sings you know you catholic girls start mm-hmm. much too late but sooner or later it comes down to fate i might as well be the right. one which i honestly did not realize that was about that till very recently yeah. <laughs> till because it's just like one of those songs i've heard for so long i think that for it's interesting that you bring up that you didn't realize that um because usually you're much more perceptive about this sort of thing than i am i usually am but also i don't here's the thing i don't also listen to this song okay frequently this is not a song i'm like Woo, turn on only the good die young like that's not this is not a go-to song yeah i, I very 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 rarely listen to this song this song for me is like one i listen to consistently like my the summer between my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college and I like not almost immediately picked up on that but specifically referencing like the fact that she's religious she won't put out exactly uh she and like specifically like related to like who she is and like it's of course I'm the one to look at this less through its like its specific dimension you mentioned but also like just in general like I always, like, saw it initially as, like, the first couple times I listened for it before I actually listened to it. I was like, oh, he's just, like, trying to encourage her to, like, be a person. Yeah, to, like, live a little bit. live a little bit. Yeah, exactly. That's how I saw this song, like, growing up. Right, and, like, I think you can always, you can, there's always the angle of looking at it and just being, like, this high school guy who's mad he's not getting laid, right? But I think there's also this angle of looking at it where it's, we've talked a lot about how other parts of this album have, like, pushed against the grain in terms of like yeah. what is traditionally expected he references specifically catholicism but like in general in the u.s like especially at that time like premarital sex was uh, and like oh, yeah. living together and stuff like anything yeah, that wasn't like married. before marriage like yeah, that very frowned, frowned upon looking like you were married before you were actually married was not okay yeah and because of that i think that like, I view this song, and can you can listen to this song as more of a plea to be like, don't listen to those people, right? They told you all this stuff, but they didn't give yeah. you the full picture. This here is a full picture. And, like, to go a step further, maybe, like, she looks at him and is like, I don't want that. But the reason yeah. shouldn't be because God, or really the priest, told me not to. It should be because you don't want to do it, not because... Yeah somebody else god told you or it. yeah exactly more of a priest i agree with that yeah i agree like growing up um it was like again like one of those songs i knew but i didn't know it was billy joel till i knew it was billy joel kind of things um and yeah like i especially growing up as catholic i was very involved in my church very involved in the catholic religion um till i was like 14 15 I was like, work, like, go off. Like, I agree with this. I was like, they aren't giving me enough information. I am counting on my rosary. Like, like those kind of feelings um, and really questioning those teachings. For me, I, like, I was raised Episcopal and, like, I'm still, like, relatively religious, I would say. But for me, the traditional pressure, um, I don't even describe it as a pressure because... I, yeah. I don't know, like, it's, I, I don't know how, quite how to describe it. It didn't come from for religion. It's just, like, more of what I've adopted, like, as a person. Like, I think it was just, like, 
I got it not from like my parents or anything, but just from like from society in general, like these expectations of what you should be doing. Yeah, and totally. As you were making fun of me for earlier with uh, scenes from an Italian restaurant, I referenced the fact that I would be very comfortable living that traditional, and I just put that in air quotes, sort of life. Like this was a rem- like. I, like, in general, like, way zoomed out from what he's singing about in the song. Yeah. Just the general message of being, like, it's okay to, like, for lack of a better phrase, let your hair down, right? And enjoy your life. Yeah. Um, that's a message that, like, resonated with me as, like, totally. I, like, have had that battle, not with, like, society or with my parents or with my religion, but more, like, with myself. Yeah. And that's been, in many ways, just as challenging. And this was, like... Totally. A- yeah and I, I i agree like like anything like any song you can see it in so many lights and definitely seeing it in that light i think is important and, and commend you i mean i commend you for for doing that but um yeah like I, I growing up very catholic and religious like i i don't know like looking back i didn't really feel like i was pressured to like do certain things or feel a certain way I was just like, okay, I'm doing this for fun. Like, I'm, I have some friends here, I guess, in the church, youth group. I was an altar server for seven years. Go off me. Um, like, I don't know. I Looking back, like, I really... I don't know. I, I don't feel like the Catholic Church really affected me like other people, which God bless. But it really... Um, but like looking at the teachings now as my at my age currently I'm like fuck that um point point like period like it's fucked but so yeah I kind of agree with this um you know have premarital sex I've done it um it's great (laughs) it's a lot of fun (laughs) um but yeah so there were a lot of attempts to censor this song um, which I think only made it popular after religious groups kind of considered it anti-Catholic, pressured radio stations to remove it from their playlist. And uh, Joel says to performer songwriter magazine, when I wrote Only the Good Die Young, the point of the song wasn't much anti-Catholic as pro-lust. Um, the minute they banned it, the album started shooting up on the charts. Okay, so now we're on to She's Always a Woman, which is probably, this song always makes me cry. It's probably one of my favorite songs off the album. Um, and I really feel like that, I was listening to this song on repeat, on repeat today, because that's how much, like, I just love this song. And I was like, someone could write this song about me. So this is really kind of like a love song about a modern woman whom you know billy joel falls in love with her flaws you know regardless of how unforgiving they might be so this single peaked at number 17 in the u.s and this is another song written for his then wife elizabeth weber who was also his manager at the time and she was really described as this like tough savvy negotiator which you know in the 70s a tough woman whoa everyone's running um who was kind of seen as kind of like unfeminine by many business adversaries which means basically then it's like why is a woman here basically but you know kind of billy joel wrote this wrote this really really like emotional song um but again they eventually divorced in 1982 and he kind of was like not that enthusiastic about singing it afterward, kind of like, uh, you know, just the way you are, which again, I get, makes sense. 
as I mentioned up top, I think that like this song is like the other half of like being in a relationship, right? And I think that's such a that's such a good point. It's really that other side of just the way you are. In my moments when yeah. the relationship's like very tough or I'm struggling, I'll listen to this song to like make myself feel better because it's like yeah. yeah, they can be at least like a lot of the people I've dated fit the description of the woman that he's describing yeah. in the song. And it's it's kind of funny when you're sitting there listening to it, and it's just like I've always read the she's always a woman to me as being like yeah she does all these things, but like I like love her for it, right? I love her in spite of it, rather. Like I think that that's the way I look at it. Your description of like why like him producing it, like all those lines about she can wait if she wants, she's ahead of her time. Yeah. Um, there, there's a right after that he says something like. Um, she never gives up, she never gives in, she just changes her mind. That right there doesn't just describe, like, the women that I've dated in my life. That describes, like, every... That describes every like, yeah, person. Like, and I think it's interesting, again, like, I think this shows, like, our difference. Like, you listen to this and... Like, when I listen to the... You can talk about your own experience, but when I listen to this, I think... You're sad. Not sad, but I think about this from the experience of the guy in the relationship and like having to. I knew you were gonna say that. I knew. Like, I know like, exactly. Not the type dealing of with it, but like I always perceive it from that perspective, the perspective that Billy Joel that you, and in the perspective from. you know. Right. Exactly. And uh, of being like, well, you know, these things, the, like this is just part of who they are. And yes, they can yeah. be cruel, but they can be capricious. Is the word I use, but. Like, it's interesting that, like, the way you focus on it is, like, the description of, like, the woman and also, like, centering and focusing it on who he was writing about specifically and, like, that idea of, like, a modern woman and how that yeah. may. Yeah. There were, like, Which, interesting undertones there, but. Remember 1977. Very different time. Very different time for, for women in general. And, like, I think, to me, a lot of this is, like, the woman taking control of like herself the relationship whatever and i think that was such an uncommon theme especially just written about in music um where it kind of is like kind of like outlandish in a certain way but he's really describing the way she does and i don't i don't know why like i just really love this song it's so good it gives me goosebumps every time i listen to it um yeah one of my my, my favorite line is and she'll promise you more than the Garden of Eden. Then she'll carelessly cut you and laugh while you're bleeding. But she brings <laughs> out the best and the worst you can be. But I think that's yep. the line. It's like, I think when you're with someone and like this is a life partner and this is someone, you know, this is your soulmate, whatever. Um, You know, you bring, I think that's so true. You bring out the best and the worst of each other um, in a lot of ways. But I think that's just because if you're looking at this again and like someone is your life partner it's like we're people at the end the end of the day and like not everything is lolly la la did he da at every moment and there are going to be hard times and times where like maybe you did something that pissed me off or you know mm. i did something that pissed you off but that's just the situation that's just a relationship that's platonically that's sexually that's romantically like that's just a relationship yeah 
Absolutely. I agree with that. I think that, like, just in terms of, like, musically, musical composition, the part that mm-hmm. always, like, I really like is at the end of the song when he's humming the melody. I don't know what yeah, it is. I, about, I, like, that yeah. part of the song always, like, it's a very... The lyrics, like, communicate not one thing, but, like, this, the music of the song is so love songy. I can't think of a more technical Yeah, it's like a ballad. It's, exactly. It's like a piano ballad. And, like, that say. part at the end is just so soothing. And so, like, it's just so, like, smooth. And, like, it just comes to such, like, a sweet ending. And I love that. It's great. I understand yeah. exactly what you're talking about when you say you get goosebumps. Like, Yeah, like, truly, truly. get it right the first time and this is another like very light song like musically and like lyrically like it's just really saying that like and maybe josh you can relate to this <laughs> like men who have a hard time talking to women <laughs> and and like hoping to impress a girl but worries that like if he messes it up he won't get a second chance and like he has to get it right the first time and yeah. it's definitely like that it's kind of like disco-y funky beat mm-hmm. really good drums and I I do I like the more I listen to the song I enjoy it. When I first heard it, I was like Meh, I don't care. But the more I listen to it, I'm like actually I like the song. Me it's a too. Good song. It's the first. So these were always the two songs on the album that I heard when I listened to the album, but I never really processed I, yes. it. Like my brain shut Ditto. off. Um, but like recently, and like even like up to today, like I listened to the album before we we did this, and I was like I actually listened to it because I was like I think this is what I feel about it, but let me just like make sure. And like yeah, just like. First of all, I think it's one of the more upbeat songs of the album. Agreed. And second, like, I I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. It is hard for guys to talk to girls. In general, I think it's hard for, like, people to talk to people they're interested in. Because, like, there's... And that's not unique, I think. It's, it's like, there's just that, ang- there's that anxiety, not just of being able to say the right things, but also mm-hmm. be like, like, frankly, like, am I good enough, right? Is this yeah. person going to feel the same way about them that I do about you? The answer is almost always no, at least to start with. But, like, it's it's one of those, like, of, like, dealing with, like, dealing with that mentality, that yeah. understanding. It's, it's interesting because a lot of the other songs on this album, like She's Always a Woman or um, uh, Just the Way You Are, like our songs about like the other side like once you've like yeah. asked this person out like built a serious relationship and have this like literally married them right this and you're romantic into the... connection yeah exactly right and like then there's only the good die young which is about the little more like which is more of a like flashback exactly and also like um a little more what's the word i'm looking for um, sexy no, it was, it's, it's a little more superfluous. Like, it's just, like, on the surface. Like, you literally oh, just attracted okay. to the yeah, way yeah, yeah, each yeah, yeah. other look. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, this song, like, backs it up even further to the point of, like, literally, like, you haven't even talked to the person yet. Yeah, completely. Um, I think it's interesting that he put this at the back end of the album. I don't know if it was, like, a more strategic choice because he thinks it's one of the weaker songs or, like, this is just where it ended up. But it's, like... More stylistically, I think fits towards the top of the album before songs like "She's Always a Good, Always a Woman" and um, "Just the Way You yeah, Are." Yeah, I would say so. If like I, I would say so if there was like a real like storyline. I guess that's true. I think that's there are true. parts of this album where there's a storyline, but I don't think f- top to bottom there's a right. There's a 
one, two, three, four, five, six, it's seven, It's not eight, like nine. a concept album like something yeah. you see out of Pink Floyd where the wall, they're telling a story yeah, yeah, yeah. about like a, a basically a person like and an mm-hmm. experience. Yeah, so that's fair. I just, like, that's the only thing that I thought was a little bizarre because I really like the song and I like the message. It was just like, oh, it's interesting after hearing, like, all of the other parts of the relationship. One of the last things he talks about in the album is, like, the anxiety. But we have yeah. mentioned, mentioned before, like, this is, like, where I think Billy Joel does his best. It's, like, relating to these very natural experiences. Um mm-hmm. Like, this is such, like, a natural thing to feel that, like, we joke about, like, like I specifically, like, get stressed about this sort of thing. But it's my no means unique to me. Like, it's... No, no, it's definitely not a... It's it's a universal... Yeah, I think it's... Experience. I think it's... Everyone has felt this at some point in their lives. I think... Completely. The best among us have found a way past it or found a way to deal with it. But even they, like, hear this and are like, oh, yeah, I remember, like... The first time, like, even if it's just, like, the first time you ask, like, somebody to, like, the high school dance or whatever. I don't know if people yeah. do that. But, like, whatever it is, right? Like, that anxiety about wanting to be liked and wanting to be attractive. Like, man, yeah, it's pretty yeah. pretty common, I'd say. It doesn't really fit the album at all. But it's still a good song. And I think it tell, tells this very, very relatable feeling that you really just described and i do agree like it's one of those songs that i did not like at first but the more i listened to it it was one of those songs oh these are the last two songs off the stranger i don't think that they're i still think they're the weakest songs on the album but i I do agree with that as i do listen to them more i'm like oh they're okay like they're not i'm I'm like they're they're growing on me yeah they're definitely growing on me Yeah, yeah not a skip but definitely, you know, definitely. I'm not are singing along like me. I am with like scenes from an Italian restaurant or Vienna. The last song off the album, which is "Everybody Has a Dream," which honestly, I think this is a very underrated song. I actually really enjoy the song. So you know, Billy Joel closes out "The Stranger" with this kind of like gospel-like song that he actually wrote back in 1971 during his debut album um cold spring harbor but it doesn't really sound out of place for this album in my mind and i think it's a soulful slightly spiritual you know sound of the song it is a nice way to kind of end the album and it and it also ends and there is that reprise of the intro of the stranger Mm -hmm. which works like a bookend of sorts closing out honestly and I'll say it, one of the most, you know, important albums in, in pop music history. Yeah, I, first of all, like, one of the things I, like, wrote down and, like, circled was, I love the ending. Like, I love the tie yeah, back to The Stranger. It's so it's good. Um, from a musical, like, from a strategic perspective, I briefly wondered why he didn't put The Stranger at the beginning of the album and have that lead in and then it lead out. Yeah. But at the same time, I love the way the album starts with Anthony's song, um, Moving Out. So uh, it starts on a bang and it just kind of like lets itself yes. out uh, like that. But like, so I still think it fits and I like the way it goes out in terms of like the actual song itself. Again, I don't like know that too much about it. Um, I think like from what I remember is like he talks about like dreaming about someone and yeah. like... Especially because a lot of the slower songs in the album are love songs. I think that, like, there was that connecting thread, too. Um, 
And like you said, the ending is just a beautiful ending to the yeah, album. Yeah, I think. Well. Yeah, agreed. I think it's such a the way he does it is so perfect. Um, especially just talking about some of the themes of the album and really just literally ending on everybody, you know, everyone's got a dream, I think is a really good way to end the album and, and to really call back on some of those messages that we heard and, and moving out, seeing an Italian restaurant, you know, Vienna. Like, I, I, I really think it, 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 it ends perfectly. And it's, it's very surprising to me. I did not know it was written in 1971. I thought mm-hmm. it was written for this album. So I think it, I think it did fit perfectly with this with you know the right. general themes of the album if you hadn't told me that it was written in a different time i, I would have yeah. thought it was written at the same time it fit it yeah. didn't seem it, out of place in the agreed album. completely agreed i thought it was perfect for the ending and i i think it ended very well so josh we are at the end of the stranger yes indeed so so really what what kind of story does this album tell you Okay, so for me, I've been, like, referencing this throughout because it's tough to talk about the songs of the album without, like, talking yeah. about what I see from them. But, like, the originally, like, the, the first, at first, because I had to actually spend some time thinking about this, I didn't see, like, a clear connecting thread. Like, at yeah, first, it's, it seems a little yeah, more... You have to look into it. Yeah, for me, if I had to pick one, like, it really speaks... Of, like, this transition between being, like, younger and an adult, right? And I specifically, like, reference time periods. Like, I wrote down 20 to 25, but as I thought more about it and looked into it, I was like, it's probably more accurate to say, like, 25 to 30, right? Yeah, I I would agree. I think a lot of this, like, references very fondly, like, their days in high school and college with things like Only the Good Die Young, scenes from an Italian restaurant, but... You've also got, like, a person who's still very much struggling with who they are, which is generally something we associate with younger people, right? Like, something like Vienna is, like, slow down, relax, take your time. Something like um, uh, Moving Out, again, like a song about, like, being very young and being told by your your elders how to do things and being like, I don't necessarily want to do it that way. But not just being, like, in this... It's not just him, like, thoughtlessly rebelling at, like, 18. Like, he's actually getting into a career now, and he's like, yes. no, I don't want to do that necessarily. I don't want to be that person. Like, all of that is, like, really, to me, shows, like, a person who's, like, in a transitional period between being, like, a kid and an adult. Like, at that totally. period when you're, like... Naiveness, at, and then, like, getting into the real... When everyone's, like, telling world. you you're a, an adult, and you have all the legal rights and responsibilities of an adult, and you have a yeah. job, and a family, and a life, and a car, and a house, or whatever else, but you still feel like a kid. Like, we... Yeah. Society views us as adults. Friends we have are working jobs or teaching kids, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's shit's crazy. Yeah, like, two years ago, we were not, like... We, no like, ma'am people, no ma'am even right now like people even right now me and my real job i'm like what yeah like it's i mean i i get to pretend for a little longer because i'm in law school <laughs> yeah. but like there are very clear like boundaries where that starts to end and you start to take on more responsibilities and it's like like i feel it's a little this album is meant though i have always listened to it and identified strongly with it at this age i think it's really meant a little further down the line i would agree 
Uh, that being said, I think you can listen to it at any age, but that to me is what the story of the album is. Being that age and trying to walk that line between being like a young adult and an like old a adult, real adult. A real adult, a real adult with, like, I'll say Families it. and responsibilities. Yeah, I, I would have to agree, and I think that you really hit the nail on the head there. I think it's really walking that fine line of like youth and like really experiencing your youth, but then like knowing kind of like what's ahead of you and like you know no matter what if you have kids if you don't have kids whatever when you when you grow up at a certain age like you do have responsibilities paying all your bills um you know for yourself just like random shit like that like and I think it does walk that that fine line like you were saying between like your your 20s and your 30s basically Mm -hmm. Like, this you is real. real. adult. You were right. Like, yeah, it's this not, is real. You were playing with live ammo now. Like, I think it really is meant for that time. So, off this album, and I never answer this question until I'm here, until I talk about the album. Mm-hmm. What's one song you would want to fall in love to, get your heart broken to, and the defining song off this album? Hmm. So, for, like, falling in love with, I hate to be that guy, but, like, Given we'll my have, emotional we're gonna have the same answer. It, we're gonna have like, the same answer. I don't know that it's just the way you are. For yeah, me. we're gonna have the same answer. <laughs> first of all, it's a great love song. Second of all, it like, is a great There love are those connections I have to it through my parents and through the my own romantic relationships. It's just like it's just it's just good. Like I, it's it's no, very, it's a it's like, a cliche. perfect love song. There is no there is really no other song for that right. besides this. Like, just the I, way you are maybe like you're always a she's always a woman but mm, that's 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 an interesting way to start the relationship in that, that but at least in the way i interpret it but that's my answer okay get your heart broken too um, i think we're having the same answer i think and i did actually do this um the relationship i the relationships like i've ended up obviously not being in anymore like the song vienna always was the one that like oh, really like I vibed with in those moments because in those moments like there's a lot of uncertainty in your life like yeah I agree no that's a good point built up this relationship as I tend to as like a staple like a cornerstone of your life and then like you basically had the late your legs swept out from under you listening to that song helps with like transitions in general but Mm -hmm. like I think like heartbreak and breakups in general are transitions in and of themselves even though we may not think of them in that way so you've made I... me change my answer to vienna oh, okay. so you have won me what over was your answer he is in law school i was gonna say she's um she's always a woman not that like i love that song and i think it's such a good love song but like i'm like just the way i know it ends like i know that they're they that's break true. up and divorce and then we divorce <laughs> um like that's just my song because it's like like she she brings you love, but also she brings you a lot of pain. But in this song, you feel like the pain is kind of overbearing on the love at points. Right. But I still love it, song, and I think it's a beautiful love song. But I think like only, looking at it, point like face value. I think that for me, like the reason it's because it, originally I thought of that, but I was like, but the at least the way I listen to "She's Always a Woman" is at the end, even in spite of all of that. He still loves her, right? Yeah. And like, and the moment sure. that I'm like dealing with heartbreak, yeah, I still love the person, but I don't want to be reminded of that. I don't want to be <laughs> sitting here like, wow, they really sucked, but I really do love but them. But she Unfortunately, is always. <laughs> that doesn't matter right now, yeah. right? So yeah, I no. guess 
I get no, no, no. But the 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 reasoning you gave to the end, I'm like, yeah, you want me over? He's in law school. It is what I do. Um. Okay. Defining a song off this album. Um. I think scenes from an Italian restaurant. Yeah. Oh, hey, come I on, think, that's mine. I it's, <laughs> I think. First of all, I think there's a, a lot of this album is very like. Not obvious, but it like it, it like looks. I feel you like it's in very black and white. I feel yeah. like it's very black and Ironic, white. Ironic, because that's what the album is. Um, but the scenes from an Italian restaurant. First of all, I think it's a good um, musical mix. Of Agreed. The like, there's the fast tempo songs, there's the slow tempo songs. I don't know if it actually divides up four four. I didn't count, but it's it's if it's not four four, it's three five. It's real close. Yeah. But, you know something? Hmm. I actually, I'm gonna change my answer. I, I, okay, I was my, my answer is Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. I still think Scenes from an Italian Restaurant is really good, and it's his best song. But the more I think about it, it's funny because my mom hates Vienna. But I you think, think, okay, I think it's a double like, answer, double well, answer. I think that, first of all, knowing Billy Joel's own experience, the way, the why he wrote that song, and um, the fact that it's one of his favorite songs matters, at least in my yeah. analysis. And then second, like... I think that Vienna captures the best that feeling that I think the album as a whole expresses of like one of the the thing at least for me at this age that defines my existence is transition consistently. We graduate high school, then we graduate college, and then we graduate yes. or like move on to our first job or yes. we go to grad school. Those things end very quickly. Like people, they they really do in the grand scheme of things. Exactly. Like you you're there for four years. Like people work the same job for ten years, twenty years, thirty years. I it's, can't like that's ins- just that thought is insane to me, but Right. But like there will be those it, it, I most of us will have those things, right? We will eventually find those things that we spend a lot of time in, right? At least I mm-hmm. will. Right. Yeah, me, who knows. Right. But for me, that album, like this album, which is meant to symbolize being like in transition between being a young adult and a real adult, as you put it so well, transitioning is a huge part of this age. And what differentiates being a young adult for a real adult in my mind, and I think Mm -hmm. for a lot of other people do, too, is you stop moving around as much. Whether that's because you find a place to live. In your you... traditional setting, yes, yes. Yes, I think I understand that, like, this is. Yeah, that's why, I, that's why I emphasize the traditional. Right. But it is, it is, but it is for a very large part of the population. That is very right. true. I think also for, like, what I'm interested in, like, settling down with a family and having kids. Like, yeah. It's, it's very difficult to move around when you have a lot yes, when you, you have you, yeah, children, yeah. right? So, this, like, what separates that out for me is you stop but even even if i'm going to try to convince you here um you can i think stop transitioning once you get past when you start being a real adult even if you're moving or literally moving around a lot because Mm -hmm. i think you have a much better idea of who you are and you're much more comfortable with who you are right like and when that happens for people i think can vary from person to person i know you're somebody who's like very like comfortable with who they are right there are other people who like will spend their whole lives struggling with that right but i think that for me the transition is more than just like a literal like physical one or like moving around a lot it's also like an no i think that's a that's a good point Um, no i i think at the very least at like when you hit that age of 27 20 29 eventually you have one of those days where you're like i'm a real adult now you transition fully into like 
I am going to pay my taxes. I'm going to own my business. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to whatever that is. And you are no longer yeah. uncomfortable with that like you are when you're our age. So yeah, sure. That right there, like I think a huge part of what defines this era of our lives and that era specifically is transition. And I think Vienna symbolizes that the best. So I have changed my answer to answer Vienna I, for the second time. See, I, like, I agree with your point, but I think that Scenes from Italian Restaurant, like, says those things, but it's from, like, that it's in a conversation. Because it's yeah. the song of two guys, like, yep. two, I'm assuming guys, two classmates coming back together, catching up on their life and then being like well what's going on in your life it's like realizing that it's like oh other people are going through the exact same thing i'm going through into this transition into this real adulthood Mm -hmm. and then like talking about people we knew when we were young going through the struggles of that real adulthood right like slamming face first into that brick wall that is actual marriage beyond like just this concept and that's really what it is when you're like 18 i had forgot to mention this but like you don't really know, like, I hate the expression, like, you don't really know what love is, but, like, you, you, you don't. only have no, this, you, don't. you, you don't. have this concept of, like, what true love is. I don't is even think I know up, what love is at Picked 22. up from, like, books and movies or whatever. And, like, people. Like, yeah, or, like, watching your parents. Like, literally, yeah, like, like, your peers, people around you, blah, blah, blah. Like, literally, one of the, the things I talked about in this, like, one of the earlier songs in this album is, like, I identify strongly with a song about romance from, like, because it identifies with my parents, right? right? That's not love I had. That's, like, what I watched them have, right? Yes. So when you're, like, it really shows, I agree with you that it shows that idea of, like, when when you're the king and the queen at the prom, you think you know, but you don't yeah, have maybe a you don't. damn clue, right? Yeah, I don't even know now. Um, um, but I feel like that's such a feeling as, like, of being 18. It's like you think you literally know everything. And then the world is a lot, yeah. a lot, a lot bigger than you thought it was. Yeah, your, but. Like, precious little corner. But no, good answer. So, last question. What keeps you coming back to this album? And I feel like you kind of touched on it, so you don't it's have to. It's a good thing I kind of touched go. on it because I don't yeah. actually have any notes on this well because it's your transition period yeah like i think thank you for for telling me (laughs) is basically what but yeah like i i think that that's what it is and i come back to it a lot during these moments when i'm in that transition and i'm i'm dealing with it because it helps um yeah music interesting you know i i'm identifying with this period of life as being Mm. incredibly transitional but i think it is it's a common line but i know you specifically have referenced it to me like make friends with change it's the only thing you can count on like yeah so it's something truly you can identify with throughout your life even in the more like even if i do like achieve that very traditional lifestyle of you know white picket fence and two and a half kids something like that like the even then there are transitions there are things that change oh yeah completely completely if for no other reason then it's really good music and i want my kids to listen to really good music so (laughs) yeah for me it is really good music um that's what keeps me coming back i just think it's a really really good album um in just terms of like what you just said like i i i do agree though it's like at the end of the day, and I think I said this to you recently, the only thing you control is yourself. Like, you can't control anyone else around you. You can't control situations. You can only control you and your feelings. And, well, sometimes you can't even do that. But you can only control, like, you and your reactions to things is, is really what I think. And 
I do agree like you need to make friend you need to make friends with change and I really think you're only as old as you feel um so well the other day I felt really old my name was hurting but I didn't mind my stretches but I was fine but um you know I I really think that like transitions is just so like there will never be a point in your life when you're not transitioning I think is, is yeah. really what I think. Yeah. But I, I feel like the hardest times are like this, like your right. like your teens to your 20s, I think is teens to 20s and then maybe like, you know, you go through your midlife crisis, whatever. Right, right. And I think like those are probably some of the hardest. And like when you're very young, like going into social circles, school for the first time. Yeah, I think that, they, and that's the reason like not just I, but I think a lot of people keep coming back to the album. There's never a time mm. it's not relevant. It's just Agreed. I feel like it's the most relevant and was written specifically Agreed. to identify. Th- not like the, like again, I think it's a little past where we are, but we're getting to like that yeah. stage of like 25 to 30 like Sorry, eh, but yeah. like right in there but yeah, yeah. so okay well josh thank you so much for coming on and taking time out of your day um for and for me. talking about the stranger with me do you have anything to plug anything to say to the people before you hey, leave you know this is a really good podcast really oh, good thanks josh kylie is doing um so you guys should keep listening, and I know I will be. So, And on that note, and I hope I see you back next week, make sure you follow us on whatever platform you're listening to. Give us a rating, please. Let me know what your thoughts are, um, and follow us on Instagram and on TikTok at My Records and Me, and I'll see you next week. Bye.